the essence of being entrepreneurial is being somebody who is willing to take on some risk and believes that they can have what they want anyway and is really interested in learning about how to make that happen. You're interested in the process. You're willing to be down for that ride because, of course, it's risky to run your own business. We all know that. It's not surprising. But you don't want to let that stop you because you want to create something that you deeply desire. Like, go for it. Like, I'm here to tell you that it's actually okay to take that risk. Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists. And I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, we're talking about when to go all in on your business. Over the years, I've helped a lot of therapists transition from group practices or agency work into their own full-time private practices. And a few weeks ago, I celebrated one of my clients doing just that. Today, we're going to talk about how to know when it's time to go all in on your business, and I'll share what really needs to happen before you make the leap. Let's get into it. So most of us hope that we will slowly build our practices over time while we're working at a more stable job, like a group practice or an agency job or government job, something like that. And then eventually, we'll just have enough clients and be earning enough money in our private practices that it'll just feel so easy to leave. It'll feel super comfortable. It won't really be that risky. We'll have all of the money and all of the clients that we need. Our practices will be running smoothly. But for a lot of us, that is not how it works. Uh, It's not how it typically plays out. A lot of us get to the point where we just really want to leave our agency jobs before our practices are in a place where we've totally replaced our income. And so if you're in the place right now where, yeah, maybe you are earning some money in your private practice, but it's not the same amount you're earning in your day job or your more stable job, but you still want to take the leap, I'm going to review with you today like some of the things that you can do before you actually that will give you a better chance of success. When most of us do make the switch, it isn't because we feel totally ready to or because we are making gobs of money in our private practice. It's usually because we've realized that if we do keep on working in the agency or the group practice, we'll never actually see our private practices turn into the businesses we deeply desire. And yes, of course, there are some things that would be great to have in place in your business that would give you a greater chance of success in your private practice, but I would never tell you to wait if you feel like you're just ready to take the risk. The fact is, is there's so much good therapist messaging out there that tells you to be scared, to play it safe, that it's really, really hard to make it in private practice, and so you may as well not even try Uh, But even if there is like some grain of truth in that, that of course it is risky, that's basically the essence of being entrepreneurial is being somebody who is willing to take on some risk 
and believes that they can have what they want anyway and is really interested in learning about how to make that happen. You're interested in the process. You're willing to be down for that ride because, of course, it's risky to run your own business. We all know that. It's not surprising. Uh, But if you don't want to let that stop you because you want to create something that you deeply desire, like go for it. Like I'm here to tell you that it's actually okay to take that risk. And in some cases, the fact that we're working in these other jobs is part of what is slowing down our progress in our private practices. Like I had this experience with a client recently who was actually only working a few hours in an agency seeing clients, but the energetic cost of doing that was much, much greater. And when they finally decided to leave, even though like on paper, they were only working like two, three hours a week, it didn't feel that way. And they suddenly found so much more energy to actually pour into their private practice. And so that might be where you're at. And it may be sort of baffling to you like, wow, I technically have all this time, but I don't actually have the energy to devote to my private practice. I should just like get better at it. And though, like I talked about last week, there are definitely ways that you can maybe approach your time differently, do time management differently. It could also be that the energetic cost of doing this work that you maybe are just no longer invested in or the trade-off doesn't feel worth it to you anymore is actually making it really, really hard for you to show up for your private practice. There are going to be some instances when taking the leap just kind of going all in a sink or swim moment will help you find the energy and the strength and the willpower to actually take the action in your business. And I know that that has been a useful approach for me at different points in my life. It has been useful for me to say like, you know what, this has to work. Now I've said before on the podcast many times, like we all have different considerations in our lives that we have to Uh, think about, like, you know, that's a very different decision for me as the single person with no kids than it might be for somebody um, who is a single person with kids, right? Like you are going to have to take that into account and ultimately do what makes sense for you. But I would also never tell a single mom like, hey, you can't do this because you're a single mom. I would be like, you're an adult, you get to make decisions. And it's not up to me to tell you that this basically isn't for you because of your identity or your life circumstances. I think it really is important to take those things into account and to do what's right for you. But I would never tell you that like, yeah, sorry, because that's your identity. This just is off the table for you. And I think so much good therapist messaging is kind of fear focused. It sort of tells you, sure, you can make it in private practice, but that's only for a really small group of people it's actually not available to you. It's going to be so, so, so hard that you shouldn't even try. And again, I think if you're willing to take (laughs) the risk, if you're up for the challenge, then absolutely go for it. So perhaps the first and most important thing for you to assess when you're considering whether or not to go full-time in your private practice and let go of whatever uh, other agency or group practice work you've been doing is just, am I willing to take on this risk? And I think it's important to not make that risk seem like too great or too small to have a really realistic view of this. And I'm thinking, like, who should you talk to about this? Because I do think sometimes if we talk to our other goody-goody therapist friends who are also really scared, they could project that onto our situations and they could sort of like have an outsized assessment. So it can be really helpful to have people to soundboard this with, to... um, get some feedback to even just hear ourselves talk out loud. But I would be really thoughtful about who you are having this conversation with 
if this is somebody who is tends to be more frightened, tends to be more like conservative, less of a risk taker, you're probably going to get feedback that is similar to like, don't do this. Um, it might actually be really helpful to find someone who has a version of what you would like to create. And that's why having a mentor or coaching can be so helpful because you can learn from that person's experience. So it might be helpful to talk with somebody if it's a peer, a friend, a mentor who you've seen do something like this before, if you really do need to talk it out, that can be super helpful. Or again, it can just be going inside and assessing and like really getting on board with, am I ready to do this? Am I willing to do this? Am I ready to take on this risk? Is this a desire that I have that isn't going away? I think that's another really important thing. Like if this desire has been around for a while that you want to do this, it's probably not going to go away. And if you don't do it, that's probably going to continue to be a really frustrating experience for you. And so even if making your desire a reality is going to be a challenge, if the fact is, is that you just want it and you wake up every day and you want it again, that's probably a sign that you need to move in that direction. The therapists that I have seen who have had the most success making that transition had a few things in place before they made the transition that I'm going to share with you now. So before leaving their agency work or the group practice that they were a part of is they already had a private practice. They already had a business entity established, registered, and they actually already had some clients in the practice. They had a website. They had a clearly defined niche, and they were really thoughtful about their pricing. Now, when it comes to having a clearly defined niche, like in the case examples that I'm using, these were my clients. So obviously they were working with me. They had a coach. And in all of these cases, this is something we talked a lot about and usually something that we made some adjustments to before the person left their practice. We were actively getting clearer on who they wanted to work with. And we were making sure that their website and their marketing material accurately reflected that. Something that's kind of unique about setting up your private practice while you're still working in an agency or group practice is that a lot of what you're trying to do is probably going to be influenced by your experience of working in that system. So for instance, as a person working in an agency and sometimes even in a group practice, you don't have as much control over who you work with. You may not have thought a lot about a niche. And even if you have, you haven't had to come up with messaging around how to attract those people because that just hasn't been a part of your job. You know, clients just come to you. And even if you really like working with that group, you've never been in the practice of learning how to speak about that work. And then also building the muscle of talking about it, being visible, probably in an online space. So much of our marketing happens online these days, and you may have never developed that skill. You might feel really, really weird about niching. A lot of therapists feel really weird about leaving people out. And if you want to do a deep dive on niching, go and check out episode four of the podcast because it's all about that. This is something I'm currently talking a lot about with my clients because earlier this year, I had a really big influx of one-on-one business coaching clients. So there have just been tons of conversations with therapists about their messaging and getting really clear on that. And it's really important to know that this is an iterative process. But once you do find your language, like the specific phrases, the words, like the messaging to talk to your clients, it is truly amazing to see how people respond to you. Of course, like your marketing and your sales processes, they still need to be in good shape. Like 
Even with great messaging, you're still going to need to know how to hold a client through a sales process. But when you do have that really good messaging and you do have a good sales process and your marketing is on point, finding those words is incredible. I've watched this happen with a couple of clients recently. I mean, a lot of my clients have been working on this, but I've seen it when people kind of like lock in to their words and their people. And the results have been amazing. I've had some clients recently who like, they made some changes to their languaging. And it's like, that opened up a portal. I mean, we made some changes to their websites. But I think there's also something on an energetic level about getting to a point where you're like, yes, I am fired up about these people. I've got it. I understand it. I know how to talk about it. It feels easier to talk about it now, now that I know who these people are. A lot of times therapists don't know who their people are because they feel like they're not allowed to work with those people or like say those things or like really claim that that's who they're here for. But once they finally get beyond that and they're like, no, these are my people. It's like all of a sudden it's like, well, of course I know how to talk to them. I just wasn't really giving myself permission before. So that can be a huge like opening of a portal and invitation for people to come in. And again, it is an iterative process. Like most of us are going to need to try on some different messaging, maybe even try on some different niches before we're like, oh yeah, this is it. So if you've been feeling like, I think I know who my people are, but am I really allowed to do that? I would say explore that because it could actually be the key (laughs) to unlocking Um, Some more people being able to come in and again, your marketing getting a lot easier. I also think it's really easy to point at things that have happened in a business and then sort of oversimplify. So what I mean by that is let's take my business, for instance, my email list has been growing really steadily for a few months now and it's picking up. And it would be really easy to say like, oh, I just have a high converting tool. I just have a really great opt-in and that's it. But Even though like it would be really simple to say like, oh, your opt-in page just needs to have XYZ on it, or you just need to do SEO, or you just need to have a really great opt-in. That would be not totally accurate because it doesn't take into account the years of work that I've put into my business leading up to that, that have made it so that I could have really good SEO and I could have a good opt-in. Like The point is that It's taken a process to iterate and come up with these different elements. And right now, it feels pretty easy and it looks pretty easy. And all it is is a good opt-in page and a good freebie. But that's not the whole picture. And so I'm thinking about these clients who have kind of just landed on their niche and their messaging and are like, yeah, these are my people. They had to go through the process of trying different things out in order to get to that point. So if you're at a place where it doesn't feel locked in, where things don't feel easy, where you still like you feel like you're figuring it out, know that that's okay and you're not doing it wrong. That is a part of this process. So when you see people are like, oh, it's so easy. I just have the right messaging and then clients come in. Know that that's actually just a snapshot of their business and they almost never start in that place. So don't use this to beat yourselves up, please. Like take this as just uh, permission and that it's possible for you too. Okay, so we've talked about the importance of being willing to take on risk to having a business entity that's already established, having some clients, having a clear niche that you've been able to create some messaging for on a website. All of those things are really good things to have if you're considering 
uh, and you're really wanting to prepare for transitioning from your agency work into a private practice. Now we're going to talk a bit more about pricing. And like I've been saying, if you're coming from an agency or group practice, this is another place where that can really, really influence how you set your pricing. And it's super important to be able to look at the pricing in your private practice with a different lens. I remember when I was making the transition from the clinic I was at when I was at school, which, um, you know, we had our fees set by that clinic to moving into a clinic where I could set my own fees. And at the time, I just kind of randomly picked a number. It wasn't based on what I needed to make in order to pay my bills. It was really just based on what I was making at the clinic. So I think like the highest I was getting paid by anybody was maybe $60. And so I think when I had the option to set my own prices, I just said, okay, well, that's going to be my fee now. And I just like literally didn't do any math. And so if you're coming from an agency where you've been getting paid a salary, and then all of a sudden you're imagining getting paid $100 per hour for therapy, that's going to feel like a lot of money. But what you're not thinking of is your business expenses and your personal expenses and all of the things that go into running your business and how that fee is going to need to make sense in the context of your whole life and business. So I'm not saying that at all to frighten you or scare you, but only so that you will actually sit down and do some math and think a little bit about what your fee needs to be in the context of a private practice. Now, again, when it comes to taking the leap and preparing to transition away from your agency job, you do really need to set up your practice so that it could sustain you without your agency job. And so if you've been approaching your pricing initially with this idea of, well, I don't really need to rely on this because I have this whole other job that's paying for my expenses, that's actually going to make it really, really hard to leave your agency job, right? Because essentially you're reliant on it. So it will make more sense for you to set up your private practice with the perspective of this being your sole source of income if that's the reality that you want to move towards. If you don't have it already, I highly recommend that you go download the magic sheets because that will do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. If you're a person who likes to say, I'm not a math person, if you believe that about yourself, I get it. I used to say that about myself. I mean, maybe I would still say it about myself to some degrees, but I have come a long way, people, and it was not always this way. So if you consider yourself to not be a math person or you just feel intimidated by the process, you don't know where to begin, the magic sheets will be really, really helpful in walking you through how to set pricing that is actually going to sustain you, your life, your business, and leave you something uh, after expenses are paid because it really sucks to pay your expenses and then be like, great, I have no money for fun. I'm not making a dent in my student loans. I'm not saving money. This tool will really help set you up so that you uh, know what to charge and you're not accidentally undercharging. So go get that if you don't have it already. Another thing that can be really helpful to establish before you make the transition out of your agency job or group practice is to check to see what your runway is. Now, again, we're going to get back into math and numbers. This is going to require you to actually sit down and look at what your expenses are. And it may be helpful to create a few different scenarios. So one scenario could be like, if I change nothing in my life, how much time do I have? How much money do I have in the bank account in order for me to uh, be able to sustain myself for a period of time if my private practice didn't start to earn more money immediately? So you could play out some different scenarios of this. You could 
look to see, all right, what would be a sort of worst case scenario? And are there any budget items that I could cut so that I could give myself more of a runway? What if my practice started earning more money than I initially expected? Like how much would my runway be then? This may also mean bringing in other stakeholders to the conversation. So if you have a spouse or a partner where their feedback or input is important, where you make decisions together, this would be a good thing to bring them into as well. You may also find that upon looking at this, you ask for a loan. So I think I've shared this on the podcast before when I first started my private practice, I actually asked a friend for a loan to help me put a down payment um, on my office, on my psychotherapy office. And I spent, I think about a year paying her back. I think it was about $2,000, which was a lot of money for me at the time. And, you know, still kind of is, but like my, that's definitely shifted. And so, you know, that's not going to be for everyone. You may not feel comfortable or it may not seem appropriate or it could be uh, maybe complicated to ask friends or loved ones for loans. But anyway, you don't have to go to a friend or loved one. You could also get an actual business loan, which I have since gotten, by the way. Um, I took out a business loan uh, two, three years ago to help with my business. And so these are options for you as well. You may decide that you do want some funding so that you can kind of take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to worry about money as much and you are doing that very consciously so that you can give yourself more time to get your business off the ground. A lot of us feel really weird about taking out loans for businesses. Uh, We feel like we shouldn't need to, like it's maybe irresponsible. We can be really frightened about debt because a lot of us have so much already. Uh, with our student debt. And so it can feel really, really scary and just also like morally wrong. Like a lot of us have some beliefs around taking out money as being somehow morally wrong. Like if we were really great at business, we just wouldn't need this. And and that means if we're taking it out that we're just actually being like irresponsible and we're not working hard enough. But I want to normalize that businesses often do take out loans at the start of their journeys or when they're wanting to invest in some growth or maybe they're wanting to make a new product or open a new location. Like This is normal in business. Um, And so if you feel any guilt or weirdness about that, I just want to present that as an option to you that that's not bad or wrong. Um, I'm also thinking about uh, We Should All Be Millionaires, which is a book by Rachel Rogers. And I, I think she says somewhere in that book, Uh, She talks about the broad differences between how women are taught to relate to money and how men are taught to relate to money, how men are often given uh, the encouragement to take smart risks, to invest in themselves, their businesses, their ideas, their endeavors. And the financial advice generally given to women is to stop buying lattes. Uh, if we would just stop buying all those damn lattes, then then we'd have enough money to, you know, be financially secure. <laughs> and so uh, obviously, that's not true. The same thing is said about millennials and, and anyone who's maybe just like othered in some way, we're like, well, you're just frivolous. And the reality is that making wise investments can actually be a really skillful move. And so this is an avenue that may be open to you that you can explore. If you feel like, you know, I I know that in order for me to show up in my business optimally, I need cash in the bank. Like I know I need that safety net. And so, you know, yeah, maybe there's a reality in which I could do it without it, but I know that's just going to increase my stress level so much that that will actually slow my progress. If you know that about yourself, this is potentially a good option for you and something you could consider. 
But either way, before you take the leap, it can be helpful to assess what is your runway? How much money do you have in the bank to do this? Or what are other resources you can access? Are there family member, friends, people that you can lean on who can step in to support you? I was really fortunate. I did have some dear friends who, as I was starting up my private practice, I remember one in particular said, you know, I'm happy to give you money. I really want to see you succeed. Like I believe in the work you're doing. And that was really, really sweet. And honestly, a little hard to receive. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it felt very vulnerable to have someone believe in me. And it also created a little bit of a an incentive for me. I didn't actually end up taking a loan from this friend because a different one helped me out with uh, my office. But it is interesting and can be in some cases useful to have skin in the game in certain ways. So sometimes the skin in the game is you've just quit your agency job and now you just have to make money in your private practice. So you're going to figure that out. Sometimes the skin in the game is other people have said they believed in you and now you feel like you not you don't just want to show up for yourself, you want to show up for them too. So having that pressure in some ways can be really helpful. And I know for a lot of us, ex- external pressure like good therapist conditioning can actually be like really, really harmful and stifling and not actually very supportive. But that isn't to say that external pressure is categorically bad. It can actually be really useful. So all of these things are meant to help you think about how you could design essentially this process for yourself. You might be someone who having that pressure uh, on you actually is super helpful. You might be someone who just quitting the agency job is actually really helpful, or you may be a person for whom that's not the best move. And maybe you need to focus more on creating more of that safety net, the financial safety net for yourself first or getting a few more clients before you do take the leap. But all of this is meant to just give you an idea of how you can begin to look at these various decisions you're going to need to make, create a plan that is the best plan for you. I also want to say that even if you make the best plan for you right now, it is possible that you will need to update it. It is possible it's still going to feel deeply uncomfortable Uh, And that won't necessarily mean that you've made some huge mistake. It may mean that you just need to make some changes. Once again, this can all be so much easier (laughs) if you have someone who is in your corner, like a business coach, like myself. You don't actually have to do this alone. It can be really, really nice to have someone who's just there with you to go through these decisions, to make these plans with you, to help with accountability. And that's something that I do with all of my clients. And it's something that I do in day-long coaching intensives that I call CEO days. They're really meant to help you access that CEO level self. You do small little tasks in your business day to day. You show up as the sort of employee of your business all the time, but there's a whole set of decisions that you have to make and visioning that you need to do. And you really do need to be in your CEO self in order to do that, or at least it's going to go a lot better. And so the CEO day is meant to really help you access that part of yourself, get out of the worker bee mode in your business, and actually set things up in such a way that it's going to be sustainable. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode has given you a guide for how to know when it's time to go all in on your private practice and what you should do before you take the leap. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave a review and a five-star rating if you found this helpful. And I would also love to spend a day with you and your business on a CEO day. 
So go to my website, thebadtherapist.coach to learn more. See you next week. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.